PT Pinecast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. I absolutely love you. I love you, love you, love you. It's it's awesome. <laughs> Make sure to follow us online at PT Pinecast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, we're doing it live again. Uh, it's five o'clock somewhere. Not here. Where I am, it's six o'clock. But in whatever the next time zone, it's five o'clock there. So uh, thanks for dropping by, doing a broadcast uh, today. We do want to let you know, the last live broadcast, I, I forgot to mention this. We are going to close the contest for these koozies. We've got these koozies. They work and everything. Uh, we do the next virtual happy hour, and you can take a look there. Uh, and I believe on the back it says uh, physically distant, socially connected. It's got our uh, friends of the show on there. This can be yours for the low, low price of free. Uh, so check the link in our bio and uh, try to jump in this contest before we close it tonight at midnight. We'll mail you one of these. We're going to mail you some uh, some show stickers as well and uh, some stuff from Owens Recovery Science. I got all the stuff here in the room. I want to get it out of here. I want to put it in your living room. So if you want to figure out how to, how to do that, you don't know where the link is in our bio, uh, drop your name and where you're watching from in the comments below. We want to make sure that comment thing is uh, is where there we go. Make sure your uh, your your name and your uh, where you're from is in the comments below. Uh, our guest today, let's get to the first round brought to you by Owens Recovery Science. They're a single source for PTs looking for certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Uh, Johnny's got his own podcast too. It's the Owens Recovery Science podcast available for you on iTunes. Uh, they get deep, man. They have like hour long episodes all about BFR. They get rabbit holy about this stuff, which is cool. That's what you want to geek out about the things you want to geek out about. So check them out at owensrecoveryscience.com. They're also on the koozie, which also could be yours. Put your name down there if you'd like a link and producer Juliet will hook you up with that. Our guest today is a physical therapist, entrepreneur, author, and speaker. This is one person uh, passionate about helping PTs create possibility through profitability and ultimately He's trying to create a global network of aligned PT entrepreneurs. Let's bring him into the show. Will Humphreys, welcome to the program, Will. Hello. Jimmy, how you doing, man? It's great to see you. I'm doing I'm doing okay. Thank you for yeah. asking. You know what I've learned in this whole time of COVID? Um, when people ask how you're doing, I feel like they mean it more. They're like, how are you doing? And they almost and the way you know it is because they pause. Like, how you doing? Instead of like, how you doing? All right, let's get to the meeting. Like, how are you? Are you I hope you're doing okay? And it feels like they mean right. it. Oh yeah, and I think there's like a their voice drops, the hand goes on the shoulder. It's it really we really are worried about each other, especially with all this 2020 that's going on. But yeah, maybe that's part of the good of this is that we're coming together, we're starting to really engage as a community at a different level. But it's it's unfortunate, of course, that it set us up this way. Yeah, I hope that's one thing that stick sticks around. We talk a lot about well, what's sure. our new normal and when, when's this going to go back. I hope, I mean, this is bad to say, I hope caring for each other at this level sticks around. I mean, I bet it's bad I have to say it, but I really do hope that that's the one thing that sticks or one of the things that sticks around. Yeah, and it's interesting too, because I loved watching the positivity of humanity emerge, right? You just see people finding the good news out there and like promoting it. And then people are recognizing each other more. It's interesting too, how all the crap around life seems to like people are letting that stuff go and when people are at home with their families they're just they're not over scheduled they're connecting they're eating dinner at the table more so i don't want to over glorify the situation but like you said i think like any trial there's a benefit when people are willing to learn from it and that's exactly what's happened right this environment has created uh, an opportunity for learning and for others not it just depends yeah. if we resist it yeah. I love that. Uh, I'm drinking a. Uh, ooh, I broke this out. This is the summer shandy. People might mock. I don't. I don't. I never drink shame. If someone you know drinks something or doesn't drink at all, you never drink shame. So, yeah. but this is lemonade beer. This is Lining Kugel summer summer shandy. I love this thing. Mock me if you will. It just tastes good. It tastes especially good in the summer. Throw it in a koozie and sit in the backyard. So that's what I'm imbibing myself with uh, as we talk. Um, so, so, Will, I, you know, I, I gave you a lot of words there in your intro. Physical therapist, entrepreneur, author, speaker. Kind of what's your superhero backstory? How'd you get all those things after your name? 
you know, I, it's no different than what everyone else has. I, what I've loved about being a physical therapist is that we all have a superhero backstory. There's not one person, even when people downplay it and like, well, I didn't like have an accident or anything. They have this unbelievable connection to someone or something that brought them into our industry. We work in the greatest industry on earth, right? And ultimately everyone's story is powerful. Mine's no difference in terms of importance, but to answer your question, I was gonna be an, uh, an engineer in high school. I'm a huge math nerd. I'm a nerd all the way around. I love it, actually. I'm very proud of my nerdiness. Good. And I, I um, was fortunate enough to meet this really pretty girl at the restaurant that I worked at. And sure enough, she started dating me. And I was thinking like, how can I really impress this girl? I know, I'll take her mountain climbing. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> well, what was the mountain climbing maybe isn't the worst idea, but deciding not to use ropes and go on the Friday the 13th was probably not as intelligent. All right, so how did that, I don't wanna say, how did that end up, but uh, how'd that wrap up and safely? Oh, you're talking about the mountain climbing accident yeah. or my relationship with her. So what yeah. happened with, I'll, I'll answer both, is that that day I fell 50 feet, five stories, free fell, broke over 20 bones in my body, both arms, both legs. My femur was an open compound. And like, just for a couple of examples, and the plantar surface of my right foot was laying on my gas truck. It had broken and rotated 180 degrees. And uh, yeah, I had this like life-changing event, right? I had a helicopter group of mountain rescuers come and get me. It took them about five hours to, to get me off the mountain in El Paso, Texas. And ultimately, um, super depressed, senior in high school, like just really depressed. And then there was this knock on the door and my family opens it up and it's Connie Clemens, my home health physical therapist. She bounded in like a, like a ball of light and hope. And I hated her guts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, cause like when you're depressed, like the last yeah, thing you just leave me alone. Right. And then she won me over and changed my life forever. She was relentless in her passion for me and what I was doing. She cried when I walked the first time with my platform walker to answer the door. I mean, whatever profession gets to meet people at the darkest night of their lives and be that light for people from the dawn of a new day in their world. It's exciting to do what we do. Wow. I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm good. I mean, that's a great, well, not a great story, but it's a, a good story because it ends well. Right. Um, relationship, was that over then or? She was, so Julia, I owe her my life and she was the only one who stayed, like she stayed with me all the way through recovery. And then she broke up with me, which let's be honest, you don't marry the guy who takes you mountain climbing without ropes. I think it was an educated decision. Yeah, yeah. This is not a safety pick right here with Will Smart. <laughs> right. Not good life choice maker at that point in my life. Yeah. So she's great. We're still friends and she's amazing. So that's that's your path to physical therapy, right? So you go to, uh, I guess, like you're, you, am I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So you meet Connie Clemens, your home health PT, and she comes yeah. in with a bunch of energy. Is that what inspired you at 18, 19 years old to then join the profession? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, before we were, before she discharged me, she was the type of person that was constantly engaging with every aspect of my life. And she was kind of putting that thought in my head, you know, well, you're, you really have a lot of personal experience around this. You, you know, you seem like you'd be good with people. Maybe you should consider going into physical therapy. And by the time she was done, her personal impact on me had solidified it. I was a hundred percent committed. So wow. my first day of undergraduate was all prereqs for PT school. Wow. And you're you're out west. You're in Arizona right now. Is and you said yeah. El Paso is where uh, you is that where you grew up? Born and raised. That's right. Uh, Love that I like area. That. All right. So you go into to PT school. Uh, how's school? Uh, uneventful. Did you bring ropes? Everything's safe. Now from now on, were you the guy who is like, no, no, bring band aids, <laughs> rope, all the bungee cords and stuff like that, or what? Did you bring <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I was obviously you know a little bit smarter when it came to that part of my life. By then, I was married. <clears throat> And I loved physical therapy school. UTEP is a great physical therapy program. And I, um, the hard thing about my experience was, is that I was ultimately suspended as a physical therapist at a PT school. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Wait. In PT school? I got suspended. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about this one. Nothing well, with ropes. Nothing with ropes. I was suspected because I was being investigated for terrorist activity by the FBI. All right. I don't know. Yeah. Really follow-up question: Like, what? 
what's my own that's a whole question uh what so i like to bring it up that way because that's kind of how it felt at the time too it was just like what the crud is this and how do you find out you're being investigated email phone call they show they knock on the door like hey you will man I, okay so this is how the whole thing starts it's my third year i'm, a, I'm a, in my final year we had just finished our our um our research project i was studying monohydrate creatine phosphate right and so i'm i'm like done I wake up was the first day I could sleep in and I get this phone call at nine o'clock and it's, it's from, I, I, you know, it's like an officer and it's just like, hi, this is eight. Oh, sorry. An agent. It was like, Hey, this is agent Brundage with the FBI. Um, is Will Humphreys there? I'm like, yeah, this is him. He's like, Hey, there's been a small event down at the university. We'd like for you to come down for some questioning. And I'm like, okay, great. So she was so nice and calm on the, on the phone. I didn't feel anxious at all. Right. I was like, oh, okay. Something's up. I don't know what it is. And what I would say before I go any further in the story is that three weeks before this day was September 11th. Wow. <clears throat> so the world was in a very different place. And do you remember, Jimmy, what was going on about three to four weeks after 9-11, what the next big scare was? Oh, man, that's all a blur. What it wasn't a big deal. It didn't last long, but at the time, it was a hot flash of fear. It was it was the anthrax. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Everything in the mail rooms and the white the, the white powder. Any any Anytime someone saw white powder, it was everything was locked down. Yes. So I get, I had, and what's creatine? Creatine's a white powder. You're kind of putting two to two together. So I drive down there, and it was somewhere, it's like a 15-minute drive to my university, and it was like the last five minutes I'm pulling up. I'm like, something must be wrong. And when I turned the corner, there was fire engines, police cars, hazmat, like the full, like Homer Simpson in the, you know, yes. he's just, there's hazmat suits. And I am like, oh no, like, what is this? I walk in, they're, they're blocking entrances. I'm like, hey, I'm Will. Someone goes, he's here. <laughs> guy grab me, rush me in. And then they sat me down in one of their, their boardrooms and I got to experience good cop, bad cop. But I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but there was like this one guy, he's like, Hey dude, like, look, there's been something here and, and we want you to know that we think you're innocent, but like, you know, we got to know what happened. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And then this other guy would come in strong. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the other guys with Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> he was more like that. He's like, Tell me what's going on. And, and I was, just, I'm, I'm not like tough on any level. I was just sobbing. I'm like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Like this tears streaming down my face. And so what had happened was that our little bags of white powder, one of them got knocked over by the janitor in the morning and spilled the white powder. And the bags were all individually labeled that this is either creatine or sugar or placebo because we had a control group. But like people were just so reactionary back then. He calls 911. They call hazmat, the FBI comes in and then, wow. You know, yeah. So I got pulled in. What's cool about it is that within 24 hours, the DA and the FBI didn't like pursue it. They really dropped it. So I'm being a little dramatic when I say I was under investigation by the FBI because it was a 24 hour investigation. But once we hit the news, I was front page of the newspaper. Wow. News. Yeah. On uh, all sorts of uh, news programs on television and it was at first, it was these three students are involved in a terrorist activity. And then it got translated into three physical therapy students perform a prank, you know, an insensitive prank during 9-11. And so the university, in response to the, the cries, were like, let's suspend these guys and investigate them. So I had to fight to become a therapist that last year in a different way than most PTs do. I had to stand up and like say, hey, look, this isn't who I am. This isn't what I'm about. And what was scary then, as easy as it sounds like, surely they would have let it go. I was guilty before proven innocent during that time. Like, maybe we can relate to that now in 2020. Sure. Notice there's like an hysteria around things. When we get hysterical as people, we tend not to see clearly. And so very quickly, I was, I was perceived to be guilty. It was like, well, it's in the news. Why wouldn't it be true? Right. I was afraid to leave my house. Like people in the grocery store would recognize me and wow. Yeah, it was bad. So in that whole year, I, I just like, all I did was prepare for round after round of presenting my case to the university that were pretty clear that they had no problem expelling me and throwing away that last seven years of school. 
So yeah, it was an interesting experience. Ultimately, at the end of it all, they came around and said, look, we're, we still think that even though you didn't intend any harm, because of your carelessness, we're going to go ahead and count the previous suspension as your punishment for the last year. And it won't be on your transcripts or your records or anything like that. Wow. So I ended up being able to become a physical therapist. It was, it was a really interesting last year. Did, did it tack more time on though? Did, did you, when you were suspended that you couldn't progress, you couldn't be taking things. Totally. I had to, I, so gratefully I only had two rotations left. So I had to finish those rotations. I wasn't allowed to graduate with my class. I got my, my diploma in the mail, which I thought was like this horrible thing until now, all these poor yeah. 2020 graduates, they know exactly what that feels like to not be able to walk. Yeah. Wow. What, what'd you learn from that besides like, oh my gosh, um, what fear was like, you know, what, what did you take away from that, from that lesson? Well, and yeah, as soon as you say that, I feel like this like ball of emotion, like as soon as you say that, because the first place my mind goes is to people who loved and supported me. Um, I learned more than anything else, what it means to take a stand. I had to learn how to take a stand for myself, <clears throat> but was more poignant was the people who chose to take a stand for me. I had to bring in character witnesses and I'll never forget Loretta Dillon. And up until recently, maybe she still is the, the director of the physical therapy program down in El at UTEP. I'll never forget how powerful she was at standing in there and saying, this is ridiculous. This is not who Will is. I, I, I vouch for him. And like that was almost worth the price of admission to see who your friends were and who wasn't. Cause there were some people, a lot of people were supportive from a distance, which was fine. Like, I don't think they were bad at all. There were some people who legitimately like hid from it. Wow. And people who I loved and trusted who I thought were going to stand up were in that room answering questions like, well, I don't know if he could have done it. I'm like, why would I bring you in as a character witness? Like I thought we were closer than that. Right. Um, my dad, he took me to dinner at this restaurant called the state line, which is like the best barbecue and the day that it all happened. And he never asked me like, did you pull a prank? Like he never, he never even like went there. He was like, dude, this is, this is, this is a hard day and I've got your back. So yeah, learning how to take a stand. And that taught me how to stand for what I believe. I had this passion to become a therapist. And now I was faced with losing it all. And I'm not gonna be a victim. Like I had nothing to do with it, but this was one of those things that I really didn't have a lot of control in creating. And so for me, it was it was a learning experience to learn how to stand for what matters most. Wow, uh, you know, wouldn't wish that on you. I, I know that wasn't in the program guide when you were selecting classes of lessons to learn. Um, but I'm glad that. Well, first of all, I'm glad that it came out the way that it did in terms of you being able to to finish, yeah. and uh, that you're able to reflect on that and take something so positive from it. That's great because that could not have been easy. No, it, you know, it's weird, Jimmy. I, I couldn't talk about it for almost 10 years. I was so labeled that once I got out of Texas and I got, you know, applying for my first license, there's that license application that says, have you ever been suspended? And, and I had said, right. yes. Yeah. I just say yes. And I chose in the pile of like, here's what happened with all the newspaper clippings and gratefully Helene Fearon. Yes. The one of the most brilliant PT. She was the PT president, uh, the board president at the time, state board. And so she, I, oh, I love her too. She's so great. And we've become friends since then. And she told me years later that she saw that and their whole group just laughed. I mean, people who can see truth amidst, amongst the confusion, those people I honor, because I don't blame anyone for calling me out. The media was, was really busy painting me as a villain. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a really neat thing to have her Stand up for me and then years later to get to know her. Shout out to, to these wonderful leaders in our industry. I just got a chance to, I, I knew of Helene Fearon, a uh, right. massive leader in the, the physical therapy profession. And I had a chance to, to hang out with her a little bit and uh, and she's great. And I could see her, you know, when she walks in the room, you kind of know, she kind of walks oh. with some, with some, you know, she's got gravity. Um, that's someone who could see through that kind of fog. And that's fantastic to have that on your side saying, okay, she's, she's with me. Okay. I'm with her. That's oh, man. And uh, you know, and it's almost funny because in a weird way, I'm glad it happened now because of many reasons, but one of them is that, you know, I'm unique to Helene. Like she's one of those people that 
without even meaning to. She's just so focused on making an impact in our in our profession that yeah. it draws people who are passionate like you and I are. Like we just, you know, little little followers, maybe little little groupies in a way, because <laughs> we love her. She's great. Right. All right. So usually when I ask people their superhero backstory, we usually don't get uh, suspended from PT school, oh. called by the FBI, and put on a uh, like a like a the, the media and almost you know completely blackballed from the profession before you got into it. But that's great lessons. Will, glad you're here. Thank you. Um, let's talk about what you uh, what you do now in terms of. Um, I'll throw out the three words that that really speak to me about looking into to what you do, which is learn, endure, and lead. Yeah, that endure had something to do with things, you know, kind of getting knocked around a little bit and being able to to stand up for yourself. But but talk about those three words and what they mean to you. Yeah. So for me, they they describe from where I'm sitting more beautifully the entrepreneur's mindset. You know, an entrepreneur we often associate with someone who owns a business. Um, and that's true. But um, now, as I've had the opportunity to coach with various business owners and therapists across the country over the last number of years, I've come to recognize that that mindset isn't reserved for people who own businesses. As a matter of fact, I've met and coached people who don't have that mindset, who own a business, and people who don't own a business who have that mindset. So when we talk about learn, endure, lead, what we're saying is, and my story kind of feeds into that, when I fell off that mountain, it was this trial of pain, physical, emotional, you know, it's my belief and a common belief that it's only through our pain in our past that we can understand our purpose, our passion and, and where we need to go. So that became clear with Connie. Connie saw the world differently. You know, she was one of multiple healthcare providers that I had over, encountered in that journey, but she was different. She saw the world just a little bit differently. When I later was fighting to take a stand, that's what it means to endure. Take, enduring is once you get in a sense of your, your purpose and your passion, for me, it's about choosing to take a stand for what that is in your life, about getting clear. Because as I saw these people take stands for me, it filled me with a greater desire still, more than even Connie. And by the way, these are also people who chose to see the world a little bit differently, right? Because while the world was painting me in a picture of, of, of being a terrorist in some cases, they saw me for who I really was. So yeah, and then the ultimate result of that is leadership. If we can work at our past pain and develop that sense of purpose, then we can learn to stand for it in whatever way speaks to us. Then we can help others and lead others through their own past pain and endurance. So for me, you know, my journey ended up becoming an entrepreneur. I started a clinic in Florence, Arizona uh, with a wonderful partner, Nathan Shields, who has a podcast as well. Um, and it's just a, such a, a neat journey to have been in that position. And what I would tell you is that, Jimmy, owning a company for the first eight years was as challenging as the terrorist thing, the mountain climbing accident. It was humbling and and in some cases changed me forever. Yeah. Um, but it was an opportunity for me to lead. And through that leadership, I was able to discover more about myself by helping and serving others. So how long did you how long did you have that that clinic? You said you, I mean, you, you mentioned for the first eight years, so it le- needed to be at least eight, right? Yes, I started. So I launched my first location in Florence in 2003. Um, and then over the next I ended up exiting and merging my company with others in Arizona in 2018. So 15 years total. Wow. Um, I ended up having at one point four locations in Arizona with a separate diagnostic company in Alaska. Of course. Why not? Why not? Well, once you've learned to lead, which was not organic for me, that entrepreneur's mindset, I think the reason I can articulate it so well is because I wasn't born an entrepreneur. I believe that mindset not only can fit anyone, but anyone can learn it if they're just willing to do the work. And in my case, I had this life of just these opportunities where I didn't really have much other choice than to learn, you know, sink or swim. So for me, that business grew until we had, you know, those locations. And and again, through those challenges of learning how to correct my company, I learned what profitability really means. The entrepreneur mindset ultimately leads towards being profitable in life. And what I've come to realize is that profitability unlocks possibility. 
All right. So let's talk about that. So is profitability, are you talking about this like theoretically or legitimate profitability in terms of turning a profit that will allow you to that free you from, from, from being bogged down or, or talk about that phrase profitability unlocks possibility. Yeah. Thanks for that question. Cause I will tell you that my purpose now in the industry is to change how our industry thinks. I want to change how we as physical therapists and entrepreneurs relate to money and business as a whole. We fight it in healthcare. Yeah. This, this evil perception of if you're, if you're in it for the profits, then you're bad. And I would tell you that the most generous, kind, loving individuals understand this concept of profitability, unlocking possibility. So I mean it both literally and in from a place of, of like application to other aspects of life. Being profitable, all that means is that there's more returned than invested, right? So Your we can invest our time, we can invest other things and what we get out of that dictates whether or not that was a profitable decision or not. So you're net positive, really, in terms of you, you put in some, if you, if you keep digging yourself into a hole in terms of giving, whether your time, your effort, your focus, your bandwidth, your motivation, and you're getting less, you're not going to be around long. And I'm not even just talking about business. I'm talking about, you're not going to have anything left to give. If you keep, if you keep giving more than you're getting. Exactly right. And it's, and it's a cycle. I mean, the idea of getting it's like, well, you don't want it. You want to give more than you get. Well, so not if you get what, with whatever you end up getting, if you end up returning that back out into the universe, then no, that's not, that's not, I'd argue that's actually a scarcity mindset. And it's right. limiting us from seeing our potential. Most PTs that I coach are in one of two phases. One of them is like a complete burned out state. I think our industry struggles with burnout more than any other disease out there. Yeah. And it comes from being an unprofitable thinker. And what that means in that case is, you know, I'm going to keep giving myself of my time, of my energy and not realize what I should be investing in. And it results in some of these patterns we see throughout our industry, because ultimately what it means to be profitable really, Jimmy, is, is understanding what's valuable. It's about value. What is it that should get my most attention? And that Emphasis, decision making, when it aligns with that, is where we we reap the rewards of profitability. Yeah, we've we've talked about this on this show. I've talked about it in uh, in bars at conferences, and and people will say like you know, the S word, or in terms of sales, or you know, in profitability or value. But when you start to say things like value, those have kind of like a double meaning, a double entendre. Like, well, what's what's valuable to you? If I ask you that as a patient, well, you know, running ten miles is valuable. Okay, well, if I can teach you how to how to get your value then I'm valuable and that's okay. People are willing to come to you and give you something, their time, their effort, their money. You should get something in return so you can then do it for others and build a life for yourself. Those are not, none of those things are bad. Right, exactly. And so ultimately when we as providers go into our businesses and we limit what we don't understand, like, you know, I'm going to keep treating a lot of patients because I don't really understand the business or finance aspect of it really what they end up doing is limiting the amount of lives that they can touch. And, you know, I always tell people, look, if you're going to really own a business, create it so that if you treat, it's because you choose to and not because your business requires you to. I like that. Yeah. All right. So let's get, uh, let's get tactical. Something that you talk about, you know, when you, when you're coaching people is uh, the power of the five pillars to profitability. Yeah. Alexa, the, uh, the 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 multiple P's there. Five pillars of profitability and physical therapy. Let's do that. Um, <laughs> so, so, what are they? I mean, I guess we got to know what they are to learn why they're so powerful. How how you can use them and, and harness that power. Yeah. So when I came back, I recently returned from Europe. I was with uh, my wife and four kids in Europe for six months. I I stayed on with Empower Physical Therapy, which is what my company became, which is now it's a wonderful company too they're in uh, four states now and they're growing quickly and so i stayed on for a year but then afterwards they were kind enough to help me create my dream of living overseas with my family when i came back i was like how do i want to serve my industry and it's because i want at this point to tackle the areas that are the least understood and the finance piece is right in there yeah. um, so the five pillars of profitability as that pertains is purely financial um and then if I, if I do have time, I'd like to share just briefly about what those pillars are in our own lives, more of yeah. a personal. But the five pillars begin, the first pillar, first and foremost, 
is having transparent and reliable billing and collecting solutions. The transparency factor in our industry is very low. Most PTs, if they work with an in-house or outsourced company that they love, they're not totally clear. They might be comfortable, but they're not confident that they're collecting every dollar. In, so, in, in terms of what? In terms of if I treat and I charge $100, where does that $100 go? And, and, and is that what you mean in terms of in totally. transparency? Okay. Yeah. And I'm, so obviously cash pay, they have this pillar resolved pretty easily. And that's where I love that our industry is actually rolling in that direction. Yeah. But I'm talking about the limitations, the three things that I see that keep the average PT clinic's profit margin at 10% or lower. The first and most important one are complicated insurance programs. Like how do we collect our money after we treat that patient? You know, heroes like mine, like Rick Gawanda are out there really clarifying that as best they can. But the companies that we work with, whether they're internal or outsourced, they have to provide that kind of clarity. In my journey, there was a girl named Katie Archibald who did that for me. She was an in-house biller who came in and told me, no, Will, you're okay with this amount, but I should be collecting this amount. Let me show you how you can manage me on that. She made herself replaceable, which in my life made her irreplaceable. Right. right? So that's one thing that's so important is understanding how to be confident where every dollar is. Whenever I've whenever people have brought me in to look at their, their billion collecting, I have never found less than $10,000 of profit in their accounts receivable that is immediately obtainable. Wow. Yeah. And so the first pillar and the pillars work in that same concept that as you unlock one pillar, then there becomes space to go to the next. So we, we do, we unlock the first pillar, the billion collecting pillar to get, reliability and transparency. That takes us to the second pillar, which is our front desks. Yeah. Our front desks, 30%, 30% of all rejected claims are due to errors by the front desk. So once we can reliably know what we're getting from our billers, then we go to the front desk and we automate it, right? We wanna automate that for consistency. So reliability, then consistency, that allows us to go to the back office, to the PTs, making sure they're not under or over billing. They're using the right codes, they're using MIT codes if they need to. They understand the importance of having their notes done in 48 hours. All of these things that generate the profits from, you know, allow the profits to come in as quickly as possible. And so that creates efficiency, reliability, consistency, efficiency. Then we go to the PL. The number one expense that we mismanage in our industry is our payroll. So understanding the relationship between how much money we bring in and how much of that should be going to our team, you know, understanding how to manage that is huge. It's usually where we bleed the most money, but we can't get there until we can reliably bring the money in, you know, automate, create efficiency, and that creates stability. And then the fifth pillar is the magic. The magic happens when you have the four pillars in place, then you can create predictability. You can forecast not just collections, but net profitability. And that's when in my world, I got to discover what's possible. That's when I got to a point with my company where I was working less than five hours a week. It was when I knew, here's how much profits were coming in in the next one to two months and make plans around it and have an, a team of amazing people, of course who were uh, great at managing that. So the five pillars unlocks freedom, essentially. It helps us see what it is that we wanna do. And if we wanna go back to trading, great. Guys like me, I find just as much passion in coaching, um, sharing knowledge, meeting influential people like yourself. Like for me, that's where like the fun is at this point in my life. Yeah, yeah, find, find what's valuable to you and figure yeah. out how to set up a system, right? Like, you know, a guy like me, like Marcus Limonis to me, love, I love him because he just, he, he lays it down nice and easy. Even yeah. a guy like me can remember the three P's, right? People, product, process. Yes. We got the right, we, we know we have the right product, right? We're in, we're in physical therapy. We are selling the stories of where you want to go. We don't, we don't sell interventions. And this goes right. back to Simon Sinek, right? You know, you know what's your why? We're not selling manual therapy. You don't do that. You sell what can you not do now that I can help you do. So we've got the we got the product locked down. We sh we should be home free. 
And if you've got a great set, a great group of people on your team, that's two thirds of the way there. You're, you're really talking about the process in what's standing in our way. Yeah. So obviously there's other components of business, right? Like when you're talking about like new patients and all of that, that has to be there. But my experience is we worry so much about new patients. We worry so much about the volume in the door and it, it is an impact. It's a huge impact that we as a profession do much better at bringing that in organically, or at least there's other, there's definitely other resources out there to help us than what we know what to do after the patient walks out of the door. I think we're the weakest. And I would say again, where I want to change our industry's mindset is to recognize that PTs should want to make as much money as ethically possible. Ooh, I like that. Ethically possible. I can get behind that. Yeah, because look, at the end of the day, like, why are we making money? If if it's to go out there and, and just be super loaded and like blow it on gambling and stuff, no, then that you're wasting the gift. But what if if instead of making money to do physical therapy, or I think I'm doing it backwards. Instead of doing physical therapy to make money, what if we, we make money to do more physical therapy? Mm-hmm. What if we invested that back into the industry, which is what I'm doing now, right? Like anything I've earned, I'm doubling down on this thing that I love because of Connie. And Loretta Dillon, like these people, the Helene Fearons, they're so dedicated. Like, yeah, I just want to add to what they've been building. And then from there, hope that others will do the same. And, and down the road, if we all work hard enough, this idealistic vision of us being the first provider of choice to yeah. being able to reverse healthcare from being reactive to proactive, it all starts with understanding the fuel of the engine, which is money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When you, when you talk about this, and again, even when you say that M word, people are like, oh, you can't do it for money. And I think that's, you know, a little bit of our Achilles heel in terms of profession. We're so altruistic, right? Yeah. But when you put it that way, in terms of, listen, if you put your mask on first, that's a great like analogy is if you, if, if something's coming in to help support that clinic in that yeah. community, which can do so much, it's got to be profitable. Otherwise, that won't, that clinic will not exist in that community. That community be, will be without. Yes. And, and ultimately, what's funny is that although we are altruistic in how we approach it, as an owner, it was really easy for my some of my employees who weren't seeing this to initially be, well, I'm not in it for the money, but I want to raise. Right. Well, where did that money come from? And ultimately, we have to remember the distinction. Money isn't why we do what we do. Right. But it, what we do it for it's the score oh. on the board hold on say that again because i like when people do stuff it makes me go "Ooh, i like how you are so it's not it's not why we do it it's what we do it for right it's not why we do it confusing that is dangerous and we're worried and there are people in our industry without a doubt in any industry who the what is the why and they make a bad name for everyone else but the second we neglect that the money is what we do it for, we don't see that storyline end. If we focus purely on just the love of helping people and we don't pay attention to the finance angle of it, we end up finding ourselves in the position we're currently in, which is decreasing reimbursements, which increases the out-of-pocket cost for our patients, which limits their ability to come in. So for us, we have to be really clear what we do it for versus why we do it and how they work together Wow. To help us create what's possible, right? No one said it like that. Like literally, pe- I mean, I think I knew it, but you just put words to it. Hmm. Well, and I don't even think I invented that. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever had an original idea. Everything I've said and learned has come from so many great people. I'm just the guy who's smart enough to go learn from them. That's it. Yeah. But now that I've learned it, it's like, hey, let me help as many people like you. What you've done in our industry is exactly what's possible stepping up, helping reach the industry-wide audience and get them unified. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. All right. I got I to gotta shift the conversation to this. Hold on a second. Website. Throw it out right now from people can learn from you because we're already getting comments. People are like, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to see the replay. And you can. Uh, drop a website that people can check this out. Yeah. So I launched a YouTube channel on June 1st, my 44th birthday. Um, I don't know if I'm looking for birthday wishes. I don't know why I would even say that. I and it's what it is. It's my, it, I love these videos. I do two videos a week. The first video is for leaders and owners. It's all for PT entrepreneurs specifically. Thank you. That's, that was for me. Well, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Tear. I'm really um, so 
Yeah, th those videos are all about, like the first videos I launched are like, how do you build a team of A players? What do you do with C players? I'm gonna coach people on my channel on how to fire people, hire people. But then on Thursdays, it's all for my, my students and my new grads who are gonna be the change we need in our industry. Juliet, who works for you, is one of a handful of people I've been able to have the privilege to know who are going to change our industry. And for me, I just wanna give them some guidance. So I had like a video on the seven biggest mistakes that people do in interviews. I was the VP of recruiting and marketing at my larger company in power. And so I've, I've, got, I've got something to say about all these different departments. I'm not trying to be everything to everyone, but the biggest thing is you can go to my YouTube channel, which is The Profitable PT, I'm Will Humphreys. And uh, ultimately I just wanna share everything I've learned, whether it's been through a coach, a support group, which is really what a network is, yeah. or through just my own experience. That's awesome. See, I love stuff like this. This is why I do this. You know, people, I, I was talking to two students today and I won't say who they are because they're launching a podcast, but people come to me and they go, I want to launch a podcast. These yeah. students emailed me and I'm like, are you looking? And my first question was, are you looking for permission? Because you don't need it from me. If yeah. you have something to say, the barrier to entry is a laptop with a microphone or a camera. And like pr most people have that. And that froze them and like, kinda. And I'm like, you don't need permission from me. And then I literally walked them through kind of what you were saying. Why, what do you have to say? What do you want to share? Why should someone be listening to you? And I won't, I won't give it away because this is going to be a good show. Mm -hmm. They're going to walk people through their journey. It's two buddies who are going through post-professional education. And like, do you think this is valuable? And I literally was playing all tennis, right? I was just put lobbing the ball back over the net. Do I think it's good? I don't know. Do you think other people are in your shoes wondering about your journey? Like I was literally like trying to make sure they weren't getting and they're like, well, yeah. And I was like, wow, do you think that's valuable of what you'll share? And they're like, yeah, but we're not um, leaders in the industry. I go even better, which means huh. you're super relatable and you're learning things on the fly. Like, and I, I, I literally heard them. I heard them sit up straighter on this call. I'm telling you, I could hear like they literally were like, Oh, our idea is good. I was like, also, if I crap on your idea, don't listen to me. Like, if you're super passionate, go kick down a door and do it. Yeah, I love that. How how many years have you been doing this podcast now, Jimmy? This we're coming up in September. It'll be five years. I have no idea where it went. You you have to understand, like the impact of being going back to that endure thing. You taking a stand in this podcast. Yeah, happy five year anniversary. You yeah. get a little birthday thing for me. Happy five yeah. years. Five years coming up. I mean, I want you to think about this from a place of sincerity. And what I'd have you know is that years ago, years ago, I was birthing the idea of like, what would I want to do if I wasn't leading my company? And, you know, if I ended up merging and creating the power, like, what would I do after that? I remember considering a podcast and I found your podcast. Really? Oh my gosh. You have something to do with me sitting in my chair. Wow. See, that's Vic, that's success to me. I've yeah. said before, like I've been asked to speak, you know, for student organizations, and I'm always flattered. And my first question is when someone asks, I'm like, why? And they're like, well, you have an interesting story. I'm like, okay, pretty interesting, right? Radio DJ. And then when I talk, I always close it with, I want to hear, and usually it's the students. And usually my talk is, well, you all have something, whether you know it or not, that's valuable that you brought before. It's not, you don't just have physical therapy. You have this other thing too. I don't know what it is. It's life experience. It's falling off a mountain. It's being challenged in PT school. It's something. And when you can draw a line, right? And then this is when I start geeky with like geometry. When you can draw a line, a straight line between any two points, when you figure out how to do that, I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm not here to sell you on coaching. I'm telling you that when you draw that line, in the middle is passion. No, there's nothing that can stop you. If you're motivated to do that, if that's really energetic, it's going to be fantastic. And so success for me is, I mean, I'm flattered that you did that. To me, that's, I can't, I can't lose if I say I have to learn something and have fun with every episode. Yeah. We've been more than 600. I haven't missed yet. That's not a lie. That's amazing. And ultimately, it goes to what I was talking about with learn, endure, and lead. You're in this leadership mode because you're taking a stand for something. Yeah. Like what I love about your brand too is that it's a fun brand. I think physical therapists are like inherently some of the funniest, coolest people ever. They, they usually 
are this weird mix of like a closet type B personality. Yeah. They seem like they're easygoing, but then you go to their closets and it's like <laughs> colors and colors and they freak out if they don't have their notes done because they've got to go home perfect every day. So ultimately like leadership is huge in, in where we are and we're going through this big change in our industry. We're either going to sink or swim and I'm confident we're going to be able to swim. Because sure. people so, willing to stand up and, and help others lead like that. Too many good people in this profession. Um, there's not even just in the profession. There's so many good people who are drawn to profession. I'm thinking of people who are in college right now or high school right now who are like, I associate with being a physical therapist. And there's so many people we can help. That That's the thing. You've got the people who want to do it and the right personality and the right smarts and the right ability. And the people who need you, We that there it is again. It's two points. Draw a straight line and you can do that. I love that. You mentioned this at the top of the show, and this word gets thrown around a lot. And I want to make sure I want to hear what your idea of it is, because there's guys like Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Sure. He talked about entrepreneurship, and the cool thing is, there's being an entrepreneur. And he talked about this, and I guess if I thought about it, entrepreneur 15 years ago, 20 years ago, meant you like didn't have a job and everything like that. You're like, I'm an yeah. entrepreneur. It's, it's this French word that I have no idea what it means, but it, it gets my mom and dad to shut up and get off my back. And now, <laughs> it's like this renaissance of entrepreneurship. When you're talking about developing the entrepreneurship, uh, the entrepreneur's mindset, what does that mean? So let's start with the word. What does entrepreneurship mean to you? And then we can go into developing the mindset. Yeah. So I, I follow Gary V. Definitely a similar concept. The term means to overcome, right? The French derivative is to be able to overcome. And I didn't know that. And so for us, if we're willing to just learn, because we, you know, I, I love this, this phrase from one of my favorite books, but all suffering comes from resistance of what is. All, Say suffering. Again. all suffering comes from resistance to what is. Yeah. To what is means like what's real. So like, if we are sad, angry, whatever, it usually because we want things to be different than what they are, we resist what things are. Entrepreneurs still feel the angst of it, but they're willing to learn. And what they're looking for is direction. We don't realize this. For those of you who are spiritual, it's from God. From those of you who aren't, it's a matter of just the universe telling us when these things happen to us, the, the adage is for us, not to us, right? We learn, but we were looking for lessons in those. And we still lick our wounds and it still stinks. And like, it's part of the journey usually time is required to really learn from our past errors. But if, if we learn, we change. And ultimately, again, it's constantly looking for value. I believe entrepreneurs are looking for what's valuable. And what you did in that example of the two that are coming together to create that podcast is that you didn't walk them over to the well of knowledge. You pointed at it and said, you're good enough. And that is what's most valuable. If people listen to this, the number one thing I want them to walk away from is that they matter. They make a difference. They, they're important because they exist. And the fact that they've chosen the route of physical therapy proves that they're smart, that they're doing something that's going to impact thousands of lives. How much more could they impact if they just knew how much they mattered? I love that. All right. So when you, you said it's not just something you're given in terms of mindset, because you work with people, you've said there are business owners who do not have an entrepreneur's mindset. And there are people who are not business owners, right? People, if you want to stay in, in physical therapy, staff clinicians who have the entrepreneur's mindset. How do you develop that? Dude, I feel like you could have, it feels like you've rehearsed this with me because that's exactly where I would like to explain. I don't even know how you're in my head. So that's where it goes to the, you know, we talked about being profitable from a literal pers perspective of the five pillars. Now we're going to talk about the core four. How we develop that comes from living this core four principle. I call it the smart start. There's a lot of really brilliant people out there. There's a lot of attention from entrepreneurs on routine, right? Right. Morning routines, evening routines. It's because they've come to realize that what we do consistently is who we become. So if we want to develop an entrepreneur's mindset, that means we have to invest time in this case not money as it was in the prop the five pillars we have to invest time in ourselves most of us just don't know where to start we have ideas meditations becoming big now um you know book reading of course has been around my dad used to drive me every day saying you know will reading is to the mind what exercise is to the body <laughs> so like there's these things and so what i've done and again i've literally paid hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last 10 years with coaches and consultant groups 
and like studied people like Gary Vee and Tim Ferriss and these others like you do. Yeah. I've created what I believe to be the most important like version. And I'm sure everyone's version is a little bit different, but I call it the core four. We work on our heart, our mind, we work on our spirit and we work on our body every day. And each of those items is broken down into very small chewable pieces. The whole thing can be done in an hour to an hour and a half exercise as therapists. We tend to go into this hour and a half daily thing or it's nothing. But what if we just broke a sweat every day in 10 minutes? What if, you know, instead of reading a book and chapters of book, we just read two pages a day. What if the journal was a five minute journal every morning that helped us understand what we're grateful for, what would make today great and what's our intention every day. And if we can do that and get into a cycle of doing that 80% of our, our time, that's when we start to develop the mindset because it's in the journaling that we start to get impressions over what's happened in the past. It's in the exercise that we start to really get clear and, and hack our body's ability to bring to the surface the best of our ability. So that's, I know it sounds silly in some way cases like, oh, you're telling me to develop the entrepreneur's mindset. I just need to go exercise. I'm like, no, it's about changing your daily routines. Right. Or change who you are. Yeah, I mean, David Goggins will talk about and that's someone you should definitely look up. He's, you know, and, and Jocko Willenick will say, like, yeah. make your bed every day. And I literally, I hate making my bed. It's right behind me, right there. You know what? It's made. Why? Because it gets me in a mindset. It changes. Like, okay, you've accomplished. I, I mean, I'm not even a huge list guy, but I'm like, I get to cross making the bed off the list. It looks a little bit neater, 1% neater. But I make it part of my uh, part of my routine, and I like the fact that it's behind me most of the time, so I know I've got to do it every morning because I got a live show every day at five o'clock. But now I set myself up for what else do I have to do today? I've got to work on heart, mind, spirit, body. And when you put it in that core four, when you put it in something that someone can repeat every day, that's when it gets done. It's measurable now. Did yeah. you do it? Yes or no? It's binary. Yeah. And it's not these big things. We get super overwhelmed. I love that phrase. I'm sure you've heard it where it's like, we greatly underestimate what we can do in a year, but we greatly overestimate what we can do in a week. Like just, it's about these really tiny, small, I'm an East Texas boy, right? Or West Texas boy. My parents are from East Texas and it's all about one bot at a time with the elephant. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, there's, there's a reason why these cliches exist is because yeah. when we understand and live them. They have an impact. I love that. Um, you mentioned and you alluded to it before. You sold your practice and uh, and moved to Europe for like six months. You, uh, the kids. I just want like when you did that. Like, what'd you learn? Would you like just give me a little bit of that? Because that's that's a thing that people will say. I will. I'm gonna do. Someone did that. I would do that. But you did it. Yeah, it was hard. I will tell you, it was like starting a business. And um, I give so much credit to my beautiful wife who of 20 years who's been there. She, she was so willing and adventurous and wanting to take it on. Um, but man, I'll tell you the greatest thing I learned, and it's so hard to communicate this because you're going to hear it like, yeah, I know that. Okay. But I learned it at a different level that I can't express because I learned it ontologically, which means I learned it through an experience of how my family is the most valuable thing in my existence. I've always known that, but just spending that time with them. And by the way, when you're overseas and you don't have television or video games, and you're just living, you know, it wasn't always a pleasant experience. We, we yeah. hashed things out, but we got through all that and we're able to see and, and really like hold a space for each other, for who we authentically are. And being able to see, truly see my kids in that light changed me forever. And so when I came home, like I'm so aware of where the real profitability in life lies, right? And it comes from understanding the value of, of those four boys of mine who've been very quiet this whole time. <laughs> very like, like a miracle. And, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. And, uh, you know, as, as you move forward, you're literally like, well, how do I, what do I do next? And your, your answer, and this is why I, you know, I met you a half hour, 45 minutes ago. I'm like, your, your next answer is, well, I'm going to make two YouTube videos a week. I'm just going to share and give stuff away. And I'm telling you, when you give stuff away, stuff that you didn't expect or, or or seek out when you're creating the thing that you're giving, stuff comes back to you. It just does. It does. And, I, and I'm not all that altruistic about it either. When I came back, another thing I recognized after I realized that Empower's needs were met is they gave me space to create a billing company. So I've created the thing that used to hold me back more than anything else. I created a solution to these things 
because ultimately I understand that financially as well as right. theory that there's got to be that flow of cash in order to serve and to perpetuate these things. So yeah, it's been a great journey. We started that company in, in April and it's been an unbelievable experience seeing that grow quickly during COVID. We've actually yeah. stopped taking um, customers at the moment because we've grown so quickly. Wow. And um, because we're doing something very different, like what we're doing is isn't out there at all. And what is it? I mean, you can't you can't give me that and not. Okay. Tell me <laughs> well, I don't want to like I don't want to make this about promotion, but you asked what I did when I came back. Like, here, oh, here, here's what I jotted down. I don't normally jot down notes uh, during an interview, and what you had said before, and it was about billing. Because yeah. that was that was the first pillar, which is identify like you know transparency and clarity. Um, and you said something that was similar to one of my favorite interviews on the show, which was with a clinician and a researcher, David Petrino, mm. innovator. Like it's literally in his job title at Mount Sinai, director of rehab innovations, because you said you identified a problem that kind of everybody said not my problem, and you solved it. And he literally said that's the definition. It's his definition of innovation is when a bunch of people are sitting around going. I don't know whose problem that is. It is a problem. I don't know whose problem that is. But it's not my problem. And you go, you know what? I'm rolling up my sleeves that I don't have. I'm going to solve that problem. And when you do, that is what innovation is. It doesn't have to be high tech. It's problem solving. So so talk about that. Hell yeah, dig in. How, what are you doing differently then? Yeah. So the biggest thing I'm doing is I want to make billing sexy. Let's make it sexy. Yes. Let's bring Justin Timberlake in. Let's bring the sexy back. You know, let's do that. It, it's true though. Like seriously, if you look at Billy, yeah, yeah. let's do that. I've been using that this whole time, by the way. Should have. But the uh, the idea is that like it's the most dreaded part of our business. It is. It's the least understood. We didn't go to school to become billers, and unfortunately, there are some really good companies out there. But I would tell you that what's different is that we don't pretend like we have some sort of special formula for billing. It's not that complicated. What we want to do, and this is why we're different is that if you're gonna work with us, first of all, we don't work with large companies. We only work with smaller companies between one and eight locations max. But what we do is that we work with these people who are, they're past the first hurdle. They're starting to actually step a little bit away from treating in some cases. And we show them and teach them what it is they should expect from us. We raise the bar. There's no lower high hanging fruit, but more importantly, we forecast their income, which by the way, is in every industry except for ours. Right. It's the only right. company that comes up and says, hey, next month, based off of what you did, this is what we're accountable to. And this number- And on that, wow, you can do amazing. On that. And if it's not there, guess what? During the week, you're gonna hear why. Because I hated surprises. Yeah. And like I said, I used to be at worst almost bankrupt with my in-house or outs. You know, most of the time we think of an outsourced billing solution, people who've gone over the first hurdle, they're like, why would I outsource it when I can do it so much better in-house? Well, that's what we're solving for. We're, that's where we're making it sexy because ultimately there is a need to outsource it. So if people could focus on what they're really good at, they could discover what's possible. So we, we create reports in a very different way. We also coach, I meet with each of my clients personally, and I do everything from like, I'll, I'll talk about recruiting, I'll talk about marketing, whatever it is that they need, um, and ultimately grow their business. My end goal is to create freedom. Our goal is to create that freedom that exists only when you're profitable. So, you know, I consult on their P&Ls. We look at the balance of how much their payroll is to their income. We hit everything, for, we're a full revenue cycle management company. So we do the insurance verifications. Those things are becoming more standard in our industry, which is great. You know, we do credentialing for providers, these little lesser known things that are very important to being successful. But the biggest thing we provide is transparency and reliability. We do that by telling you what to expect and showing you how we've done our job well or not. You solve for number one. Exactly. That's it. We, we are the first pillar. So down the road, I have a vision of creating multiple businesses around the, the four, uh, four, five pillars. But the most important pillar is number one. And so we're very blessed to be be in motion and, and already to be successful at this point. All right, you're not taking new clients right now, but what's it called? Like when people are watching the replay or listening to this in a, a few months, give it to them. So we are in the black and that's very intentional, right? Finance, keep you profitable in the black is our company. And um, we are now accepting, we will accept clients if they're willing to start in um, September. September, that's our soonest available slot. In so, the back, very good name. No one had that. You guys got that? No, I mean, well, that's clear. I'm like, yeah, that's a great name. 
Jimmy, I didn't come up with it. When I came back, once yeah. I got clear on the billing company, I hired like a real branding agency to like work with me because I've learned the power of outsourcing. Yeah. I literally preach. I'm good at certain things. There's other things other people are better at. So they came yeah. in with me and said, dude, we're going to make you guys different branding because you're different as a company. Love that. I mean, this is a different episode, time for a different episode, but uh, physical therapists all the time saying, we are movement experts. If you have this, you need to see us agree. And then they'll try to design their own logos. They'll try to design their own websites. They'll try to, you know, I'm like, hey, you just told me I needed to hire a movement expert for this thing. It's important. And then you try to create this, this, and this without hiring. There's Because I have the degree in communications. There are communication professionals who will do this better than you because yeah. they're why. And they're like, we can out, we'll just do it ourselves because that's not important. And I'm like, oh, you're not paying attention. You're literally showing one thing. You're so close, but you're, you're not even there. Close. You had the right ideas. Um, let's do, uh, you ready for three questions? We're going to do three questions from Mario. Let's do it. On the hot seat with three questions on the PT Pinecast. All right. Uh, three questions from Arius Medical. That's our, our longtime sponsors. Uh, they're not just travel PT. They call themselves, you know, hashtag travel PT, short-term assignments, three months, which is like kind of cool if you think about it, because we've all gone through PT school, which is like getting paid for a clinical rotation now as a, as a, as a healthcare provider. And oh. you could say, I want to go here. I want to go there. A lot of times people will think that it's only ortho, um, you know, setting. It's not. It's all over. Inpatient, oh. outpatient, ortho, women's health. You can get very niche. There's a need for the thing that you do. Um, in different parts. So all 50 states and Washington, D.C. And I always like to say, listen, some people are like, well, if I sign up, am I just like hooked? This is not the Navy. They're not just going to put you on a ship and be like, well, good luck. We'll see you in three months. Just call, you know, call them or check out the website, aureusmedical.com. That's aureusmedical.com. Go there and check out Arius. So the first question is a where question since they're all about, you know, finding therapist jobs across the country. Yeah. You and I do a lot of this stuff remotely, so we can kind of go wherever we want. Where in the country, you're a Texas boy, you're in Arizona now, but where's somewhere in the U.S. you wouldn't mind exploring? You know, I've been fortunate. My journey has taken me to consultant groups from Seattle to Florida to New York, all over the place. So the part of the country I want to get more into is more the Midwest. I want to go to the places like Nebraska. I know that's probably not the first answer, but I've never been to like South Dakota in some of these amazing states that I've come to learn are very similar to the culture of, of Florence, just, you know, really good people and smaller towns. I love it. I forget who it was because we do a lot of these interviews. Someone just said, I want to go to Omaha. And I was like, they're like, I know it's a random answer. I was like, dude, I did a national student conclave in Omaha. Omaha's dope. I will go on record. Omaha is a cool town. You know what? Omaha probably puts out the vibe that they're not cool. So no one comes and messes up their vibe. That's <laughs> intentional to keep people away. Cover. Great bars, great restaurants, super nice people. All right, so that's the where question. The what question is, what's something you've watched, read, or or listened to, podcast, movie, book, that you would recommend uh, or that you've gifted to someone else? Like you value the information. You'd be like, yeah, I'm going to buy this for someone I love. Yeah, so it's a little bit late in my life to be doing this because I have the four boys. My youngest is eight. My oldest is a senior in high school. But I got to tell you, this is it. This book right here. Real love and mar real love and parenting. Okay. It if anyone has it, first of all, they've got a version of this for for spouses. They've got a version of this for children. But this is for me as a parent. This has changed my life at such an exponential level. It it's it's a little bit like a Bible for me. I'll read it a little. It's a lot, so I just read a couple pages a day. But man, I can't promote this book. If I had found this book when my oldest was like thirteen, I would have prevented a lot of parenting mistakes. <laughs> and that's why we asked this question on three questions because we're trying to you know, have people learn from our experience. Uh, third question is all about people. We always want to end with people. Who should the audience know more about? And I purposefully make that open-ended. It doesn't have to be therapy. It could be anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, my mind goes to therapy. I've already highlighted Connie Clemens, Laura Dillon. Uh, Demetrius over at HODS, I'm sure he's been an uh, interviewee at this point. Demi and Hands-On Diagnostic Centers is, is changing the industry. He is someone that I, he has mentored and supported me and he's been someone I want to give a shout out for sure. Um, gosh, I think that's really where my head goes, are those okay. people. I like it. All right, that's three questions. You're off the hot seat. AUREUSmedical.com. You're free to travel about the country to do this thing that you want to do, which is be a great therapist. 
You can pick where you want. There's freedom in that. So A-U-R-E-U-S medical.com. Last thing we do on the show, Will. This is the parting shot. The parting shot. Last chance for a mic drop moment. It's brought to you by the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. If you're looking to advance your practice, who you want to learn from? The leaders who are writing the CPGs in orthopedic physical therapy. They're involved at orthopt.org. Uh, current concepts uh, in orthopedic f- uh, physical therapy that we just gave away as a prize on our show. We got more coming up from orthopt.org. But parting shot, what do you want to leave with the audience? I just want to leave with them the thing we mentioned earlier about you matter. I don't, I don't know how to like say it in a way that resonates, but if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I get it, you don't. Because if you get it, you'd be handling the things in your life that are limiting you from getting to where you want to go. I would like to leave everyone just real quick with with an activity or an exercise to take a piece of paper and write down every single item of their life that they're not aligned with, whatever it is, a person, a relationship, a job, whatever, and then recognize that's what's holding you back from feeling and realizing that you matter. And then take one item at a time and just handle it. At the end of the day, I promise if you do that, you'll discover what's possible within. I love that so much. I uh, want to make sure people can connect there at the profitable, P- uh, profitable PT on Twitter, Instagram at humor underscore heels. I like that one. I think that probably alludes to something uh, involving a lack of ropes is my guess. As well, Humphreys. Uh, you know, I want to make sure that you understand. Feel free to let us know when you've got something worth sharing. This, I mean, you know, usually we don't tell people how long these things are, but we go over an hour. That's yeah. when we know we've dug into some stuff and I'm 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 juice. I'm like I'm I'm gonna run out of this room and go take on the world right now uh because Will's got me fired up. Will uh, appreciate the time so much. Thank you, Jimmy. It's been a pleasure and like a real like moment for me to be here. Awesome. Uh guys, thanks so much for taking a a listen and a watch to the show. Thank you. Let's do this. Cheers. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right. Show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It's poured fresh by me, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ingredients are sourced by our chief connections officer, Sky Donovan from Marymount University. And it's brewed fresh by producer and physical therapist, Juliet Dassinger. And by producer and creator, second year PT student, Bridget Nolan from Sacred Heart University. PT Pinecast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. Make sure to follow us online at PT Pinecast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I absolutely love you. I love you, love you, love you. It's awesome. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. And if you found value in the show, all we ask is that you tell a friend. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.